For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos, Atlanta Hawks team coverage podcast, formerly known as Hoop Ball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden. Recording live from Atlanta, Georgia on Thursday, November 3rd. And I guess you wonder where I've been. You probably have. Um, After that matchup versus the Toronto Raptors, it was so bad that I figured you guys didn't want to hear a complete crapping on that game for the Atlanta Hawks. But we have to briefly talk about that to talk about last night where the Hawks were down by 23 points in the second quarter and did a, it was like a 42 point swing for them to take the lead. And it was led by Hawks defense and particularly led by DeJounte Murray, who had a monster night in the garden last night. And now the Hawks have a better taste in their mouth about the road trip. They go three and two on the road trip get whooped by the Raptors, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, lose a close one to some questionable calls in the fourth quarter to the Bucks, two playoff teams, and then three teams that were not in the playoffs last year you beat on this trip. As much as we need to beat the Toronto Raptors, we're going to talk about the significance of that series for this year, and they play three times, and you want to beat the Bucks, beat the teams that are at the top of, echelon of the Eastern Conference. They took care of business against the teams that they were supposed to beat in this road trip. So we're going to talk first about what took place in Toronto. And I don't like to rehash it. I'm really not going to dive that much into the game because, I mean, it was a 30 ball. We got 30 balled by the Toronto Raptors. Final score was 139-109. And when you look at the numbers, if you're just objectively looking at the numbers, it's not terrible, but for a few statistics. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Toronto played excellent defense on the Atlanta Hawks that day. Toronto totally had Atlanta out of rhythm, out of sorts. Even though they did have 2018 assist. the things that you have to do when you battle the Toronto Raptors is you have to compete on the glass. We lost by seven rebounds, which you can win games losing the rebound margin by seven, but you need to do as best you can there. And they, and we allow 12 offensive rebounds for the Toronto Raptors, which they were really good a year ago in offensive rebounding. So we did not take care of business in that regard. We just didn't play with energy and effort. I feel like we left our energy and effort back in Milwaukee. 
when you watch that game. I mean, Trey struggled. The bright spot offensively, the best offensive player was DeJounte Murray, but the team as a whole just looked out of sorts. We were not shooting the ball well to start the game, and I think we let our poor shooting affect our defensive intensity and focus, and it just led for them to just basically just explode. Explode. They exploded for 44 fourth quarter points to really blow this game open. And it was already a insurmountable lead by the time it got to the third quarter. So it, it, it was just it was just tough sledding. The biggest crippler for the Atlanta Hawks against the Raptors was the fact that and I said the Raptors played fantastic defense. I mean when you look at their numbers, they forced 18 Hawks turnovers and scored on 24 of those turnovers, 24 points off those turnovers. They had nine blocks and 13 steals as a team, Toronto did, and had 43 fast break points to R10. That's the game right there. Turnovers, points off turnovers, and fast break points. That was the game, and that's what sunk the Hawks. I mean, they were settling for a lot of low percentage shots, and they were missing them, and Toronto was just getting out and running. They were using their athleticism and speed and size to basically jump in the passing lanes, disrupt things defensively, and then go out on the break and get easy baskets and easy points. That's the game. That's pretty much the game. And at one point, Toronto had a 35-point lead, and they ended up winning by 30. The Hawks' largest lead the whole game was three points. Three points. They were outscored in the paint by 12 points. So they just got dominated defensively. And they turned their exceptional defense, the Toronto Raptors did, into great offensive opportunities in which they capitalized on. They had three players score over 20 points. Pascal Siakam, who was a menace, he had 31 points. He was plus 30, plus minus, yikes. 31 points for Pascal Siakam, 8 of 21 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3. He had 16 free throw attempts, made 13 of them. He added 12 rebounds, 6 assists, and 2 blocks. Pascal Siakam was a monster. OG Ananobi had a solid game, 14 points, 5 of 10 shooting from the floor, 2 of 7 from 3. Added 6 rebounds, 3 assists, but defensively he had 6 steals. 6 steals. And... We're going to talk a little bit more about somebody else who had six steals last night and a little bit later in the program. Scotty Barnes, who is, everyone's looking to have a breakout year, and rightfully so, had a really good game. 21 points, 50% shooting from the floor. He had five three-pointers, five of nine shooting there. Added seven rebounds, eight assists, and one steal. Gary Trent Jr. had 21 points. He was seven of 16 shooting from the floor, two of six from three. Five or six from the free throw line. And oh, by the way, they did all this. They scored 139 points without Fred Van Fleet to add injury to insult. So what can go wrong did go wrong against the Toronto Raptors. Boucher off the bench added 11 points. Pressure Jachua added 10 himself. But pretty much, I mean, their best players played, played great. And they forced a lot of turnovers. I mean, 13 team steals. I mean, it was everybody getting involved. 
as far as steals. The, the Raptors had, let me count, six different players that recorded at least one steal. Six different players who recorded at least one steal. And then one, two, three, four, five players who recorded at least one block. They were locked in on the defensive end. And I said going into the game that the Raptors, although they may not have been great offensively, they're a really good defensive team. So we had to take care of the ball and get ball movement. And we just did not do that. And on the flip side, they were not a great offensive team numbers-wise coming into the game. And because they had so many easy opportunities created from their defensive pressure, it allowed for Toronto to just explode offensively and score 139 points. On the Hawks side of things, when you look at the numbers there, our leading scorer was Ashante Murray, which may be a theme of this episode, but he finished with 20 points on 7-15 shooting from the floor. 2 of 4 from 3, hit all four of his free throw attempts, added 9 assists and 4 rebounds. Trey Young struggled against the Raptors mightily. He was... He actually had the worst plus minus on the team. He was minus 29 there. Trey Young had 14 points, shot 3 of 13 from the floor, 1 of 5 from 3. He was 7 of 8 from the free throw line. He did add 10 assists, but had a triple-double with 10 turnovers. So 14 points, 10 assists, 10 turnovers. Just about as bad of a game as you can possibly play as far as if you're Trey Young. Capella finished with 13 points. Added five rebounds and one block. He was six or seven shooting from the floor. The fact that he only had five rebounds says enough. That's not that's not great. Not great at all. When your starting center, Capella, who is known for rebounding the basketball at a high level, only gets five, you were just completely outcompeted by the other team. And they were. DeAndre Hunter had 11 points. He was 4 of 10 from the floor, 3 of 4 from 3. He was a semi-bright spot for the Hawks. But, I mean, outside of the 11 points, one rebound, one assist, no blocks, no steals. One rebound. DeAndre Hunter has been doing a really good job this year of rebounding the ball. I mean, he's been doing a lot better than he has in prior seasons. And he was out competing on the glass. The one lone player that competed on the glass was John Collins. John Collins had 12 points and 12 rebounds. He shot 5 of 12 from the floor, 1 of 6 from 3. No blocks, no steals, but at least he had 12 rebounds. At least he competed on the glass. But, and I'm going to continue to say this, I hate when we just relegate John Collins to just catch and shoot opportunities. Yes, 12 shot opportunities, 6 of them were 3, so he had 6 within the paint. He only made one basket. That was a three-pointer. So that means he was four. Let me do the math. What? That's four. So he was four of six inside of the three-point line. We got to give him more opportunities in the block, in the paint, in the post. We got to give him more opportunities because that's where he is more efficient is in the post. I mean, we know he can catch and shoot. We know he can shoot the three ball, but... We do not need to just be regulating him to just be a catch-and-shoot guy. We we can't do that and, and have a sustainable offense. We just cannot do that. And then off the bench, Justin Holiday had 12 points, probably the most efficient player of the night, 5 of 8 shooting from the floor, 2 of 4 from 3, but no other stats outside of one assist. 
Okongwu, who had eight off the bench, he had five rebounds, one assist, two blocks. So not a bad game off the bench for Okongwu. Frank Kaminsky had four points. Tyrese Martin had three. A.J. Griffin, who got to go against his dad, who was an assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors, finished the game with three points. Jayla Johnson had five points in 11 minutes, added four rebounds and one assist. And that's pretty much it. So we're going to throw that game away. We're just going to throw that game away because I know what you guys are probably still listening to this podcast for is what happened in the garden last night. That was... I'm going to share my thoughts after this plug. Okay, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Now, I don't know about you. I'm in several fantasy leagues. and every fantasy league that you are in, you have a rival. Pokemon, Ash Ketchum had Gary. And I know you have your Gary out there. So it's time to beat Gary and get the insight that you need to take your stuff to the next level and win a fantasy basketball championship. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other rank list? I know which one. It's the Brewskies 150. And you probably turned those huge wins into some cash or a fantasy basketball championship. This year, the Brewski 150 is on sale for a limited time. And Ethos 360 subscribers can get access in less than a week. Head to sportsethos.com and click on the premium tab to grab membership information or the draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues. Beat Gary with the help of Sports Ethos. All right, and we are back. And I know a lot of you guys, especially after how the Hawks started last night against the Knicks, they thought, here we go again. This looks like the Toronto game. I'm going to cut it off. And I was a little little PO too, watching. I'm just like, what is going on? I mean, the Hawks shot 20 at one point in the second quarter before they went on a run. The Hawks shot 26% from the field. It was rough. They were just... They just weren't shooting the ball well to start the game. I mean, they go down 32 to 21 after the first quarter. And then the Knicks extend the lead to about 23 points midway through the second quarter. And it's funny, I tweeted. It's almost like I know what I'm talking about, guys. All of a sudden, that 23 points got down to 13 points after a nice little run that was started by Murray, especially on the defensive end getting steals and sparking a team to say, hey, we need to we need to get back in the game by getting stops and playing defense. And Murray was the spearhead of that. Trey Young was struggling from the floor offensively. So if and, and this is what it seems like. The offensive energizer bunny is Trey Young. The defensive energizer bunny for this team is DeJounte Murray. And there needs to be a balance where they both do it. So I think if they both do their things, and we've seen it in games, 
when Trey Young is on and the energizer money on offense and DeJounte Murray is doing his thing defensively, this team is going to beat pretty much anybody in the league. They have the capability of beating everybody because it's follow the leader at that point. On against, against Toronto, Trey was struggling from the floor and DeJounte Murray wasn't the same defensively, so we got blown out. So we're starting to see the formula that one of them has to be on. As far as defensively or offensively, when you're talking about Trey and DeJounte Murray, it has to be a nice yin and yang. And when they're both on, that is when the Hawks are their best selves. And last night, we did not have super crazy vintage in the garden Trey Young. And he did leave the game with a left eye contusion, did come back. Uh, reports after said it should not be a problem. He should not miss time. He may have to wear the red specs or the frames he wears. Uh, for the next few games, as it heals to protect himself from uh, any contact in the face, but he was struggling offensively. So DeJounte Murray picked it up on the defensive end, and that's when things started to change for the Hawks last night. And DeJounte Murray would lead this team. After being down 23 points, the Hawks would win 112-99 in the Garden. Silence the Garden. Silence. And the craziest thing when you look at the box score or you go rewatch the game, it's that third quarter. The Hawks battled back. They, like I said, they were down by 23 midway through the second quarter. They got it down to 13. Then I sent a tweet. I said, I feel a lot better because I see the Hawks starting to make shots. I see some things turning. I said that I would feel a lot better if the Hawks could get it to eight going into halftime. At halftime, the Hawks were down by eight. Then they start the third quarter on a 10-0 run to take the lead by two, and the Hawks never looked back. In that third quarter, the Hawks outscored the New York Knicks 32-10. I repeat, the Hawks outscored the Knicks in the third quarter 32-10. So on, on top of shots starting to fall for the Hawks, they play exceptional defense out of the break. And... The Knicks scored 63 points at halftime. They didn't even crack 100 points last night. The Hawks showed their capability on the defensive end. And it helped that Mitchell Robinson got into foul trouble as well because he was altering a lot of shots to start off the game. And even with Trey Young going out for an extended period of time in the game, the Hawks were still scoring. The bench was still scoring. DeJounte Murray was leading his team on the defensive end, and it was turning into offensive opportunities, and the Hawks never looked back. And so now you feel better about the road trip, finishing 3-2, and two, and you beat the teams you're supposed to. You hope to get a win against Toronto, and Toronto is a team that I said beginning of the year is the X factor in the Eastern Conference because they have that nucleus, they have their coach still there, they have good players, and they play hard, especially on the defensive end that they're going to be a tough out for a lot of people in a, a mismatch as far as mat, when you line them up matchup-wise. The Hawks, anytime they play the Raptors, that's a bad matchup for the Hawks. Because of their size and their length and their athleticism, that's a bad matchup for the Hawks. And the Raptors are going to be a bad matchup for a lot of teams. But that is a series that you get two more cracks at it. They only play the Raptors three times this year. You lose one, you have to see him again in Toronto, and then you get one contest at home. You have to win that home contest. 
And then the mentality of going back to Toronto is you have to win that game. You have to find, you have to scratch and claw. You have to compete way more and bring more energy than you did on Monday night against Toronto in order to win this game Well, the next time they play in Toronto. They're going to have to bring it. If you can take two out of three from Toronto, you'll feel a little bit better about that series. But certainly you have to win at home against them, and you have to find a way to win that rubber match in Toronto. The Knicks are a team that the Hawks are better than, point blank. It sucked to see them go down by 23, but it was a tribute to them settling for a lot of bad shots and missing missing a lot of shots, just not shooting the ball well. And then it was creating easy opportunity for the Knicks to start the game. Once the Hawks started getting stops defensively and flipped the script, it was a wrap. It was a wrap. And it shows you the discrepancy in talent between Atlanta and New York and shows everybody that Atlanta is more of a complete team than the New York Knicks. And as much as this is a quote-unquote rivalry, which is really not, it's only because Knicks fans make it a rivalry because they hate Trey Young. It's not a rivalry. You're better than this franchise. And you showed it the second half on. Well, I would say the tail end of the second quarter through the rest of the game, you showed it. You showed it and you restored your dominance thanks to the play of DeJounte Murray, who really led that team. Um, <laughs> he was He was just terrific. The Hawks, as I said, started shooting 26% from the floor, ended at 41%. The Knicks were north of 50% after about a quarter and a half to start the game, ended the game at 40%. So that's where the defense for the Hawks comes in. Hawks shot 35% from three. The Knicks shot 27% from three. They lost the rebounding margin by one. I'll take that. The Hawks had 17 offensive rebounds last night. That is a stark contrast, complete 180 from how they competed against Toronto. So it seems like Nick McMillan got in their heads and said, hey, we need to rebound the ball as a team. It can't just be Capella. Just can't, it can't just be Colin. It has to be rebounding as a team. And they answered the bell. They had 28 team assists. I love that number. And... Like I said, the game before, Toronto had 13 steals as a team, and the Hawks had one. The Hawks flipped the script there, thanks to DeJounte Murray's six steals, and we're going to talk about his numbers in a bit. 12 steals as a team for the Hawks. Nine blocks for the, for the Knicks. I mean, they have a lot of size on the front court, but four blocks for the Hawks. And they cut the turnovers down tremendously. Only nine turnovers last night and they forced 17 Knicks turnovers. Hawks had way more fast break points, stark contrast from the game against Toronto, uh, Toronto, 26 fast break points to 12 for the Knicks. So you're seeing when you compete on a defensive end, who's going to give you opportunities to force turnovers to get in the fast break, which Toronto did against us, and now we did against the Knicks. You see, when shots start to fall, play elevates, which shots didn't really fall consistently until later on in the game when it was already out of hand for the Atlanta Hawks against Toronto. But we saw a slow start, but a great finish for the Atlanta Hawks against the Knicks. The steals, 
sharing the ball, rebounding, competing. Those are the things that the Hawks have to bring every single night. And they just did not have it against the Raptors. They did not. They did not compete. They didn't execute on offense. They went against a team that was really good defensively and just played into their hands, forced a lot of mistakes, caused a lot of turnovers, a lot of fast break, easy opportunities for the Raptors. They flipped the script on the New York Knicks last night. And it was great to see because if they would have lost to the Knicks, imagine this podcast, imagine sports radio chatter about this team going into Saturday when they take on a really good New Orleans Pelicans team here in uh, Atlanta. It's a different vibe, all because of how you responded to adversity to start that game. Like I said, this would have been a completely different show if they lost last night to the Knicks. Completely different show. And now instead of being 4-4 four and four overall, you're now 5-3. and three. Now that I pull up the standings, the Hawks, if the Hawks fell to 4-4 four and four and lost to the Knicks last night, they would have been probably, what, 6th or 7th? In the East, they're now fourth in the East. They're half a game above the Celtics and the Bulls. They have the same record as the Toronto Raptors, who are now on a two-game winning streak. And you're a game and a half behind the Cavaliers and two and a half games behind the Milwaukee Bucks at number one in the East. Like I said, it's a completely different vibe because you... Got stops on the defensive end last night. Shots started to fall. They started to play better team basketball. And we see when Trey Young is not on offensively, you have to pick it up on the defensive end. And that's where Murray comes in. That's why you go and get him. That's why you go and get a DeJounte Murray. Because he is he was the player of the game last night. No question about it. Leading scorer. In the entire game, he had 36 points, the highest plus minus out of anybody on the court. He was plus 26 last night. 36 points, 14 of 27 shooting from the floor, 5 of 12 from three last night, four rebounds, nine assists, five steals. I thought he had six. ESPN gave him eight at one point, but then they dropped it down. I guess they went back and took some away. So he ended with five steals last night, but still. 36 points, 9 assists, 4 rebounds, 5 steals, 1 block. I could end the show there. I could end the show right there. But he had help. He had help last night. He did. Uh, Trey Young did, like I said, leave the game with the left eye contusion. Did not shoot the ball over efficiently. But he did come back. He ended the game with 17 points, 7 assists, 1 steal that he added to the pot. In six rebounds. He was 7-22 from the floor. 2-7 from three. Capella ended the game with eight points. Ten rebounds. One steal. One assist. DeAndre Hunter had a really good game last night as well. I think that will go overlooked by a lot of people. And rightfully so. Because obviously DeJounte Murray was the one who spearheaded this comeback last night. And Trey Young started to fall suit. It seemed like when DeJounte Murray started to get it going, Trey Young started to knock down shots, and so did DeAndre Hunter. 
Like I said, 21 points for DeAndre Hunter, 9 of 21 shooting from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3. He added 3 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 1 block. John Collins had 12 points and 13 rebounds. He's been rebounding the ball very well. Added 2 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. He only had 2 three-point attempts last night. He didn't make either, but I am glad that most of his attempts were around the basket last night for the most part. Off the bench, Okongu had four points, seven rebounds, one assist, one steal. A.J. Griffin added a three-pointer. Justin Holiday added one three as well. And then eight points for Aaron Holiday, who played well off the bench last night, also had three assists, two rebounds. But like I said, this is the DeJounte Murray effect. His defense helps elevate the play of others on the defensive end. And then it just creates easy opportunities in a fast break for others. And when he gets it going, it gets Trey going. And then, ironically, Trey started making some shots before he left with that uh, eye contusion. And then you see DeAndre Hunter getting involved there. I mean, like I said, the formula for this team for sustained success is going to be DeJounte Murray leading on the defensive end. Trey Young leading on the offensive end. And if they're both bringing a lot of energy and effort and executing at a high level on defense for Murray and on offense for Young, this team is going to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Vying for one of the better teams in the NBA. But it's great to see nights like this because when Trey wasn't as good offensively and DeJounte Murray stepped his game up defensively, it made things easier for him offensively and it made things easier offensively for everyone else too. So you're going to need them both to be on to win big games. It's why they had a chance against the Bucks. It's why they got whooped by the Raptors because both weren't playing up to par. And then you get one of them playing at an exceedingly high level last night in one that wasn't quite up to par in Trey Young, and you still get the win against inferior opponents. We're starting to see the formula for this team. It's going to be through defense. If you can get stops defensively, and Trey Young is making the right decisions offensively, this team is going to be a very good team. If you're if you're not playing with energy and effort and focus on the defensive end, competing for rebounds, not moving the ball, and you're not shooting well, you're going to get rolled like you did against Toronto. And as much as people want to blame that on Nate McMillan, and Nate has his blame for sure, it's on the players to work this out. The Hawks are starting to figure this out. Now, some people want it to happen sooner rather than later, and it's a long season. It's a process. People don't want to hear that, but reality is reality. The reality is this is a process and this is a marathon, not a sprint. You can't sprint to success. This is not a 100-meter dash. This is an 82-game grind. There's going to be ebbs and flows, ups and downs. You're going to have games where you get just outmatched, outworked, outcompeted, and you just don't have the energy like they did in Toronto. And they're going to have games like you did against the Bucks when you do everything right and still fall short. And then you're going to have games where you're going to battle adversity like you do against the Knicks last night. 
And then your star players, when it matters, spark something in this team, whether it's offensively, them making shots and then energizing everybody else, or defensively, like DeShante Murray did last night. And you come back and win in game that you're supposed to. And like I said, now you feel a little bit better about where you are coming home against a really good New Orleans Pelicans team who is battling some injuries right now. They're battling some injuries. Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones are out right now. Uh, They lost to a Lakers team that they should have arguably won that game. I watched that game last night. They should have beat the Lakers last night. But, you know, you did not execute on a defensively when the Lakers had an inbound play and then you let them hit a three to put it in overtime. Now, with Zion being cautious with five fouls and C.J. McCollum doing all he can and the team is visibly winded, the home team has momentum and the Lakers end up winning. And then, on top of that, the Pelicans, who are now 4-3, and three, have to go and take on a Warriors team tomorrow night in New Orleans, who they're on a skid. So, you know, push comes to shove there. That's not going to be an easy matchup. And then on the second out of a back-to-back, that Pelicans team has to come to Atlanta and take on us while we're sitting and resting. We're getting some well-deserved rest after a five-game road trip as we sit back and wait for the Pelicans who have to play a whole other game, travel from L.A. to New Orleans, which is arguably today, and then take on the Warriors tomorrow night, and then they have to travel to come see you in Atlanta on Saturday. I'm not saying the Hawks are going to have an advantage. The Pelicans are still a really tough team. They're deep. They have a lot of size, a lot of length, and they kind of remind me of that Raptors team that we just saw. But as we talk through this program, we know what the Hawks need to do. They have to compete on the glass. They have to get stops and play with some energy and effort on the defensive end. You have to come up with a great defensive scheme to slow down Zion. And if B.I. is there, you got to slow down B.I. And obviously, you're probably going to put DeJounte Murray on C.J. McCollum. You're probably going to put him on McCollum. But you're going to have to rebound the ball. You're going to have to move the ball. You're going to play with effort on the defensive end. You're going to have to do that ball movement and everything get some shots, try to get some easy opportunities, and you have to limit your mistakes because we know what the highlight reel that Zion Williamson is and what B.I. can do and Herb Jones, if he's back, Trey Murphy, all that size and link, Dyson Daniels, they want to get out and run and they want to score on a fast break. That's what they want to do. So you're going to have to limit mistakes. You're going to have to move the ball. You're going to have to rebound. And you're going to have to play great team defense. I sound like a broken record, but those are pretty much the keys to the game if the Hawks are going to win. And you know if they do all of those things, or three or four of those things, they're probably going to win the game. So it's great that this team's going to get rest. Trey's eye can heal. Um, You're a Pelicans team that you already saw in the preseason, so you already have some familiarity with them. You get to play them on your home court. I'm sure it's going to be an electric crowd. Hopefully, hopefully, for Georgia sports fans, after a Georgia win over Tennessee, they can pile into the State Farm Arena, carry over that energy, and get behind the Hawks team with a really good New Orleans Pelicans team in town on Saturday. 
We'll see. But like I said, we know what the formula is. And now it's time to go out there, get some rest, look at the film, see what you can improve on, get some practice time, heal, and go out there and get ready to battle on Saturday against the New Orleans Pelicans. And like you guys know, I am a New Orleans Pelicans fan. I'm from the state of Louisiana. But let's not get it twisted. I cover the Hawks. I want to see the Hawks succeed on Saturday night. And it ain't going to hurt my feelings if the Hawks beat the Pelicans. It ain't going to hurt my feelings at all. So let's go out there and do it. Let's go out there and do it. I mean, like I'm going out there and playing myself. But uh, but if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it and tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. You know, drill, share with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball enthusiasts, or people just want to learn about the league and learn about the Hawks. Put them on to me. Follow us on Twitter at EthosHawks on Twitter. That's at EthosHawks on Twitter. And then follow myself at Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad J A R R E T T 67. The next episode, which will come after the Pelicans game, we're going to have a special guest on that program. So tune in next time. You won't want to miss one of the friends of the program coming back to talk about his thoughts on the Atlanta Hawks to start the year. So we'll catch you guys next time. You have a great rest of your week. Let's go, Hawks. We'll see you guys at State Farm Marina on Saturday night.